And welcome, friends, to the Generations Broadcast. Kevin Swanson with you, Adam McManus, our host on theworldview.com with me on this edition. And Adam, I happen to catch this uh, story that uh, worldwide freedoms are slipping. Freedom House has been monitoring freedoms uh, since, uh, I think, 1948. And they've seen that uh, freedoms worldwide have been slipping now for 15 years. And a big part of this is uh, liberty for speech. As the U.S. is giving way on freedom, and as we are losing our freedoms here in the United States, and same thing's happening around the world. 2022 was the deadliest year for the journalist profession. 86 journalists were killed, Wow! mainly outside war zones. So uh, that means uh, keep your doors locked, Adam. You're a journalist, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's not an encouraging development. Oh, I, I hear you. Here's the quote. Oftentimes they were at home with their family mm. and hundreds more have been attacked or imprisoned in various countries around the world. So freedom of speech, freedom of the press is under the gun at this point. Um, so I don't want to touch on this. The first amendment, the U S constitution is sacrosanct for, for us that, uh, you know, consider the right to speak, the right to speak the truth as so essential for the discipleship of the nations. And yet there is something of a move against Christians. And I want to talk about a couple of things. I want to talk about the weaponized FBI and the Justice Department. The DOJ is on the attack on pro-lifers right now. In fact, I just went to the justice.gov website, Adam, and check this out. Again, taking a look at, you know, what's the bias uh, where's the bias towards those who are attempting to express their opinions? And the DOJ has handled uh, 14 prosecutions since Biden was in office relating to abortion clinics. So up to 14 prosecutions and 40 defendants have been charged with blockading in Detroit, Michigan, Nashville, Tennessee, District of Columbia. And Chicago, Illinois, also at Nashville, another one, Nashville, Tennessee. So th- what's interesting here now, I, I, I went down the list and they have all of the, the crimes relating to abortion clinics that the DOJ has been uh, administering for, uh, I'd say, about 10 years. And what we find is that the 40 defendants that are fighting their cases right now are those that were, you know, sitting in on an abortion clinic. So they're sit-ins. These are pro-lifers, just to be clear about uh, this. We're talking about pro-lifers. The the cases that were handled under the Trump administration, this is the contrast, were Molotov cocktails and I think three to four bomb threats. So quite a difference between, you know, what's happening under the Trump administration, where the prosecutions are related to some acts of violence versus what's happening under the Biden administration. 40 people doing these sit-in things and they're getting they're getting 11 years. In fact, we did a program on this recently, but one one elderly lady is up for 11 years in a federal penitentiary for their that demonstration. But you're talking about pro-lifers sitting either in front of an abortion mill entrance mm-hmm. or sitting inside an abortion mill. Yeah. objecting to the slaughter of the babies in the womb. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. And, the, and they're getting 11 years. The judges have been slapping 
these 70-year-old grandmothers uh, with 11 years in a federal, federal penitentiary. And, and this is, of course, the Biden administration. Uh, they've got teeth, and they're coming after pro-lifers as much as they possibly can. This is uh, pedal to the metal on prosecutions. But not all the Biden DOJ prosecutions, though, are against those pro-lifers who have participated in civil disobedience, who have literally physically blocked the entrance to the door of an abortion mill. Some people like Mark Houck, a devout pro-life father of seven, who he and his son are simply praying along the public sidewalks in front of an abortion mill. The 13, 14-year-old son was getting threatened verbally and almost physically threatened by some of the death scorts, those that are volunteers on the pro-abortion side to try to get the women who've made an appointment to kill their baby in the womb inside the place without receiving literature or hearing much of what is being said by pro-lifers who are offering to adopt their child or help them to keep the child and provide diapers, etc. There are people like Mark Houck and his son who are being prosecuted. Remember the FBI came guns drawn with his children watching Mm -hmm. aghast Mm -hmm. and he hadn't participated in any civil disobedience. So the Biden administration is really painting with a very Mm -hmm. broad brush. They obviously are hostile to anyone who's pro-life and anyone who dares to show up in front of an abortion mill and even use their First Amendment right of free speech to call out to the woman, please don't kill your baby. They're threatened by that. They want to take that person down despite their First Amendment right. Well, at least 40 individuals, pro-lifers, now threatened with 11 years in a federal penitentiary, my friends. And don't forget thousands, if not tens of thousands of protesters blockading highways, blockading miners, blockading oil pipelines, railroads in Canada. You name it, they're blockading. They're, they're, you know, slowing down economy all over the world. We're talking about hundreds of thousands of protesters, some of which contributed to eighty or eight billion dollars of damage during the protests of twenty twenty. But you've got, you know, forty pro lifers who sit down in front of an abortion clinic and they're getting eleven years in the penitentiary. Um, not good. Now, here's the point I want to make on this broadcast, friends: Which crimes do you go after? Which crimes do you go after? When you lose a sense of biblical standards or a transcendent ethic, eventually ethics turn relative. And and that which is wrong becomes that which opposes your political position, especially if you and your friends happen to be in power. And therefore, law becomes exceedingly arbitrary. And this reminds me a bit of the Gulag Archipelago written by Alexander Solzhenitsyn. And, you know, just speaking of what happened under Stalin, who just went out there willy-nilly and threw whoever he wanted into the Gulag Archipelago. uh, And he wrote, our law here is powerful, slippery, and unlike anything else on earth known as the law. Formerly, it was easy to take away anyone under 5810, the Soviet... uh, law that allowed just about anybody to be arrested, even a tailor who accidentally stuck a needle into a newspaper portrait of Stalin. Nowadays, anyone objectionable to the authorities can be taken away under the law covering ordinary crimes. He says, uh, we have called this chapter the law today, but really it should be called there is no law. So that's, uh, that's what happens, uh, you know, when it's all political and it's just a matter of whacking your political p- opponents 
or uh, shipping them off to some Gulag Archipelago. And I think that's what we're coming down to, Adam. We're going to get to this uh, question of whether the FBI has been weaponized in just a moment on Generation. Stay with us. Hello, my friends. For the last 15 years, the Generations team has produced a Christian curriculum specifically for families who want to give their children a God-centered, Bible-saturated, biblical worldview-based education. Our commitment is to restore the Christian faith, generational faith in an age where we are losing faith in this country and almost anywhere around the world where Christian children attend secular schools or use secular curriculum and imbibe secular culture. Now, we're not relying on the pre-Christian Greeks for an educational model here. We're not relying on the post-Christian secularists for the education model either. Our curriculum is based in a biblical worldview. We put hundreds of Bible verses in the history books and integrate the truths into the subjects. We want to glorify God on every page of the science books. We immediately integrate knowledge into life application and natural revelation with special revelation. We keep Christ at the very center of the history books with preparing the world for Jesus and taking the world for Jesus. I believe God is calling this generation in this highly secularized age to a radical change in how they disciple their children. Please check out our program for education of your children and grandchildren at www.generations.org. And we are back on Generations. This is Kevin Swanson as well, Adam McManus with me. Considering whether the FBI is increasingly politicized and weaponized in the present day, which obviously strikes a bit of fear into the hearts of some, as the Gulag Archipelago and the Stalinesque random prosecutions was somewhat frightening. I mean, hey, somebody knocks on your door and 12 people come in with guns and drag you out at 7 o'clock in the morning, you're going to be a little freaked out over that. Wow. And I think it's this kind of thing has been happening in the U.S. of A. I think the very title of Solzhenitsyn's book, Gulag Archipelago, is lost on many people today. Archipelago, of course, is a system of islands that are connected with one another. And Gulag is actually an, a Russian acronym. And the English translation is Chief Administration of Corrective Labor Camps. So in other words, he's saying... These labor camps, like the one where he had been banished and where he wrote a number of his books, were spread out throughout the Soviet Union, and these Russian camps where political prisoners were sent to do forced labor. Gulag, representing these corrective camps, and then the archipelago, this connection of camps that were supposed to educate, quote-unquote, the citizens like Alexander Solzhenitsyn who dared to have their own view and reject the government top-down attempt to control what they said and what they did. Well, I guess the question for us is whether this is going to be anything of a threat for the U.S. And I've said this before, and I know many of my listeners are aware of my concerns, and that is that we have been systematically being uh, lifted of our freedoms and liberties in this country, and it's for us to stand up and uh, Christians, especially, to fight against all forms of tyranny and a tyranny that uh, grabs government power that's beyond the amount of power that God has delegated to it because God is over all principies and powers, and He has the right to delegate authority to whom He will. Well, friends, uh, here's a CS monitor article that just came out on this very issue 
uh, referring first to the FBI perceived to have been somewhat politicized in the 1960s on the side of the anti-communists. But now it appears to be moving in a different direction. No surprise there in that the bureaucracy tends to be on the left side of things. Uh, here's the CS Monitor article. In the past few years, the FBI's reputation has cratered among Republicans. The most recent Pew numbers show that 53% of GOP voters now view the Bureau unfavorably. At the heart of the decline are perceptions that the Bureau has unfairly targeted Mr. Trump. Half of all GOP uh, respondents to a Pennsylvania State University poll taken last November agree with the statement. Many FBI agents do not enforce the law fairly because they are biased against former President Trump and his agenda. Uh, some former FBI agents also agree with the negative assessments. Again, reading from the uh, CS Monitor. Over the course of my 12-plus years, the FBI's trajectory was transformed, says Nicole Parker, a former special agent at a House Judiciary Subcommittee hearing in February. The FBI became politically weaponized, starting from the top in Washington, trickling down to the field offices. So again, friends, it certainly becomes a concern. And again, in a nation at which we really do not have a sense of a biblical standard for ethics or a transcendent ethic, eventually ethics are going to turn relative and that which is wrong turns out to be that which opposes your political position, especially if you and your friends happen to be in power. And so that which is a crime turns out to be that which opposes your particular political agenda or your political position. And uh, so that's becomes something of a tug of war between the existing president and whoever happens to be running against him or whatever political party happens to be aligned against him. Reminds me a bit of a banana republic. I don't know if we refer to banana republics like we used to, but it's really what's happening here in the United States. Well, it is something that one man who has experienced firsthand the totalitarian regime of China, Bob Fu of China Aid has warned about and has become increasingly alarmed with the top-down dictatorial Democrat Party slash college university slash media establishment attempt to shut down free speech. And he said in this article from Fox News, it's entitled, Christian Who Escaped Chinese Persecution Warns U.S. Descending into Communist Style of Governance. This should really get your attention. I've had the honor of interviewing Bob Fu a number of times over the years. He and his wife, just by way of background, were student leaders at his university during the Tiananmen Square protests in 1989. He became a Christian in the Chinese underground church decades ago. He wrote a book I've not had the opportunity to read yet back in 2013 entitled God's Double Agent. He and his wife were imprisoned in Beijing for leading house churches. These are the Christian congregations that have not registered with China's official Protestant or Catholic churches. So he ultimately came to America in 1996, escaped that year, founded China Aid in 2002 to be a voice for those voiceless persecuted brothers and sisters in China, as well as providing legal and humanitarian aid to those who are persecuted, imprisoned, and tortured. Bob Fu became a naturalized American citizen, attended Westminster Theological Seminary in Philadelphia, 
And he says the same tactics that were used and are being used against Chinese churches today have been adopted, the same tactics, during the pandemic, both in America and other Western countries, in particular Canada, Australia, something he said right straight out of the Chinese Communist playbook. He specifically, Kevin, pointed to Governor Gavin Newsom Mm -hmm. of California, Mm -hmm. the Democrat, who not only prescribed when Christians could worship, but how, literally telling them about not singing, not worshiping, for fear that their very breath would somehow infect the person that was two pews away. He said that Democratic Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti, the the former mayor there at one point, threatened to cut off the utilities of homes and businesses that dared to defy California's COVID-19 restrictions. He asks a very uh, troubling question. He said, guess what? That's exactly the same tactic, word for word, that the Communist Party has issued over the years against the churches. They're shutting down the utilities, the electricity, the water to the homes of pastors, to outspoken congregants in those churches, whether they be sanctioned by the Chinese government or not, especially the underground churches, all of which are being monitored. He said pastors in Canada were treated in terribly egregious manner in Chinese-style tactics. He said in front of the camera, the police would invade a church in Canada during the Sunday worship, kick out all the believers, and basically push the pastor away from the church building, then shut down the whole church. And we at theworldview.com, and I know you have extensively at Generations here, talked about many of these great heroes like Arthur Pulaski, a Calgary pastor who escaped Polish communism, was repeatedly jailed for keeping his church open during the pandemic. And I featured audio clips of him accusing the Canadian mounted Mm -hmm. police of being like Nazis and shutting down, I think it was either Good Friday or Easter Sunday or during that Holy Week. But Bob Fu says, look, quote, I feel America is descending into a Chinese communist style of governance. The media propaganda is exactly the same as in communist China, where I was born and educated in the trend, end quote. And now they're getting into this clampdown on speech at big tech level in China, just like Mm -hmm. they are here. They've scrubbed posts from Facebook. They've implemented something euphemistically called, quote, administrative measures for internet religious information and services, end quote, back in 2022, where the Chinese communist officials would scrub online Christian content including even in group chats. He said it's reached unprecedented levels. And what are we seeing in America? Many of the same things in terms of what Facebook says is allowable or Twitter or Instagram. These are very disturbing trends, aren't they, Kevin? They sure are. And Finland, I believe, is something of the battleground today. You say, why Finland? Well, because of the Finnish member of parliament, Pavi Rossinen, who was uh, called on the carpet for a Bible verse she posted on social media, accused of hate speech. Now, she's won her second appeal case. Now, apparently the way it works in Finland is <laughs> they keep appealing until you're found guilty. So that's, exactly. That's so the way stupid. it works in Finland. I, <laughs> apparently she's headed for the third appeals court as the bad guys continue to you know push her back into the gulag. So, wow. Wow. Uh, 
Apparently, they were cleared earlier in a lower court. The charges were brought against the lady a second time at the appeals level. Here's what ADF International said about her, her case. At the heart of the prosecutor's examination of Rosanen, she was uh, asked, would she recant her beliefs? And the answer was no, she would not deny the teachings of her faith. Uh, the cross-examination bore all the resemblance of a heresy trial of the Middle Ages. Mm-hmm. It was implied that Rosanen had blasphemed against the dominant orthodoxies of the day. And that's something that's pretty much what's happening. You know, you have yes. a clash of religions here and the ultimate blasphemy in Finland and uh, Sweden and to some extent the United States to speak anything against the sacrament of homosexuality. To provide some context, Rosanen is a former interior minister for Finland. She happens to be a grandmother of 11. And back in 2019, she tweeted a blast against the leadership of her own church, the Evangelical Lutheran Church of Finland, questioning its decision to sponsor the Helsinki Homosexual Pride Parade in 2019. And she went on to dare to include Bible verses from the Book of Romans, I'm sure, from Romans 1 in particular. The prosecutors at the appeals court insisted that she had to be considered a criminal because her beliefs, based on the Bible, were insulting to some in society. And as we reported, when she was recently exonerated the second time, she said, it is not a crime to tweet a Bible verse or to engage in public discourse with a Christian perspective. The attempts made to prosecute me for expressing my beliefs have resulted in an immensely trying four years, but my hope is that the result will stand as a key precedent to protect the human right to free speech, end quote. I love her guts. I admire her. And there was also a bishop who was exonerated, thankfully, as we reported Lutheran mm-hmm. Bishop Juhana Pajola, and he's the one who published Rossanon's 2004 pamphlet many years before this 2019 tweet in which she articulated the biblical perspective on marriage and sexual ethics. 16 House members of the uh, U.S. House has uh, issued a letter in Rossanen's case uh, stating that uh, this is the weaponizing of the power of Finland's legal system to silence not just a member of parliament, but millions of Finnish Christians as well. And then the letter ended with, this is abundantly clear, the process is the punishment. So very much so, that's what's happening here is they're punishing this poor lady through these multiple trials, and evidently they are going to have to face the Supreme Court of Finland in a final decision in uh, the months to come. I want to add one thing here, and that is the comparison that Alliance Defending Freedom International made with this kind of hostility toward Christianity, comparing it to the Middle Ages, reminded me of Martin Luther, who famously said when he was on trial for daring to, on the basis of the Bible, object to the corruption within the Roman Catholic Church, he said, my conscience is captive to the word of God. Thus, I cannot and will not recant, because acting against one's conscience is neither safe nor sound. Here I stand. I can do no other. God help me. Those words echo down through time, don't they? They do, and they especially apply today to the field of ethics. We absolutely must root and ground ourselves on the foundation of biblical ethics. It's God's law or bust. 
as Christians, we must form our ethical stance upon God's word, what God says in his commandments. And friends, we cannot live by lies. We simply cannot pretend that everything's okay. No, 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 no. We have to speak the truth. The biggest lie of all is sin is okay. Do whatever you want to do. Every form of sexual perversion is okay because we're all animals. No, the answer is no. That's not right. And I think as Christians, we take a stand, a, a, a strong stand on this, and we need a piece of the public forum, and we need to continue to speak it in the public forum. The idea that we're going to be rushed away into our houses and be quaking in fear and somehow avoid taking a strong biblical stance upon these issues, that's an undermining of the gospel, as we said many times before. You begin to compromise on the question of sin, then the next question is, well, why did Jesus come? I thought he came to die on the cross for our sins, that we have broken the commandments of God, that we have sinned against God by doing the things that God has forbidden and not doing the things that God has required of us. Uh, friends, that is the definition of sin, and Jesus Christ came to save us from our sins. And by the way, uh, we're not allowing anybody to exempt themselves from the grace of God on this one. That is, if somebody steps in and says, yeah, but not me. Yeah, but you're not accusing me of being a sinner and Jesus is not going to save me from my sins. That is the sin of homosexuality. No, nobody gets to exempt themselves from the grace of God, saving them from their sins. Every sin is of an egregious nature to God. Every sin is a sin that could damn us to hellfire forever. And, uh, and Jesus Christ died on the cross for each of these forms of violations of his commandments. And we need to stand up in the public forum and continue to say that we do. in every church in America. And I'd like just to offer one quick practical suggestion, and that is, when the next whatever comes along, whether it be the next pandemic where the government is trying to usurp the rights of Christians and the citizens, you need to speak out at the local level. I remember our San Antonio, Texas mayor, Ron Nuremberg, who has championed the homosexual cause and abortion for many years, and our Bear County, Texas judge, Nelson Wolf, were the little emperors, as Bob Fu refers to them, who who thought that their power is above the authority of God and over the church. They want to be the manager of the church. They want to tell you when and how to worship. We need, as Christians, as listeners to generations, next time something comes down the pike, address it at the local level. Show up at the city council meeting. Show up at your local county commissioner meeting and say, this is wrong. You cannot do this. You are overstepping your authority. You have usurped your authority. You need to get back in line. And, and your heart's going to go pitter-patter and you're going to have butterflies in your stomach and it's going to be stressful. But this is what we need to do in these United States of America to speak out for our right to, uh, to articulate a biblical vision. And continue to speak out for justice as defined by the laws of God. Indeed, those that are being tossed into the gulag for opposing the killing of innocent children in this country, we need to stand up for them and say, that's just wrong. It's an injustice as defined by the holy law of God, and God will hold these magistrates to account 
God will hold these justices to account for what they did to these people. Uh, so we adjudicate by the righteous requirements and standards of God's laws. That's what defines what is right and wrong, what is just and unjust in the courts of this land. And we have to be very, very careful. We, we can't just, you know, elect people that will arbitrarily attack their political opponents. This is what Proverbs 24, 23 says, partiality in judging is not good. Job 34, 39 who shows no partiality to princes, that is God, shows no partiality to princes, nor regards the rich more than the poor. Deuteronomy one seventeen: you shall not be partial in judgment. You shall hear the small and the great alike. You shall not be intimidated by anyone for the judgment is God's. In the case that is too hard for you, you shall bring it to me and I will hear it. So friends, these are the passages that uh, deal with justice and judgments as should be properly legislated and executed by the courts of this country. Well, that wraps up this edition of the Generations Broadcast, my friends. Uh, I'd encourage you to our little book, The Story of Freedom, as a very important resource for our families as we do our very best to retain something of the heritage of freedom that has been uh, fought for and won by our forefathers over the last 800 years of Western history. It's almost gone. But at least give the story to your children and your grandchildren that perhaps some little bit of liberty will survive somewhere in the world in the next generation. The book is The Story of Freedom, available at generations.org. This is Kevin Swanson inviting you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation. 